Hello, everybody. This is Daphne by the WAM Project Director on the Gallant Few podcast. Today, I wanted to interview our wonderful volunteer we have with the WAM Project that has been keeping everything smoothly going. Um, and she is also a Army veteran herself, so she definitely understands uh, everything that you know all veterans go through. So, hello, Paula. How are you doing? Hello. I'm here, and I'm good. I'm good today. Today is awesome. a good day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's wonderful to hear. Um, so I just wanted to ask you a few questions just to kind of get to know you and so that everybody that follows Gallant View and the WAM Project gets to know you a little bit better and gets to see who you are because nobody really gets to see all the work that gets done behind the scenes to get everything done no they Um, sure don't (laughs) (laughs) no they don't we're like the you know anonymous people in the in in sort of in a way unless they go to the vet expo every year then they finally get to meet who we are and they put a name to the face so yes um so you are an army veteran is that correct yes awesome so what when did you serve about what time which era are you from Ooh, which era so um Mm -hmm. I'm considered a pre-9-11 veteran. And okay. my service originally started in through the National Guard in 1987. Okay. And then I finished my two-year degree and decided that I wanted to, um, I decided that I wanted to go on active duty. There were some things going on within, within the service at that particular point in time, I wanted, I felt that, that it was time for me to go on active duty. Is that, did you have a reason why you wanted to serve? I did. Uh, So initially when I went into the National Guard, it was because I was seeking better opportunities, you know, such as college benefits. It was better suited for my skills. And I grew up on a farm and the, the farming industry was being taken over by corporate America. The really, the opportunity, I didn't see myself being a farm owner. And so we went ahead and, and, or I went ahead and decided to pursue other avenues and recruiters actually came to the school. And that was what first piqued my, my interest in realizing that, you know, there was more to the, to the being in the army than what I realized uh, that mm-hmm. there were other opportunities such as the National Guard or the Reserves. Mm-hmm. And wow. So when I went That's on, awesome. When I went on active duty, it was uh, shortly after the Gulf War had happened. I'd mm-hmm. been, been serving on active duty with the National Guard, and we were 24 hours away from being called up to go to the Gulf. And that was a huge eye opener for me. It, it realized it helped, made me realize that that you know th- this is a game changer. The times are changing, things are changing, and and there's a there was more potential for me to be called up to become active, and I realized it was time for me to to decide if if I really wanted to be on active duty, and that yeah. that's where I made that that decision. What was your job in the army? 
I was an avionics technician. I went back into the, when I went back into the army, I was retrained as a 68 November, which is an avionics technician. I worked on helicopters. Oh, fancy. Yes. Very fancy. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing though. I mean, it, it, it sounds like you, you made the right decision from what, I mean, when we have our, our conversations, um, that you were given a and I'm assuming one of those was your college um, experience after the army. Is that right? Well, I'll tell you one thing I, I really kind of patted myself on the back for was the fact that I did go in the National Guard first because mm-hmm. it, di- it did allow me to become acclimated with the cultural environment of what's involved with the military. Right. And I can't say that I would have been as successful if I would not have had that background going into the army. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of gave you that um, little taste of what the active duty set was probably going through the National Guard, I'm assuming. Yes, uh, definitely. I don't know that you would say little taste. I mean, it was, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still had to meet, I, I had to live my civilian life during my civilian time. And then I had to do my duty one weekend a month and then two weeks out of the year. A lot of people, oh. a lot of people in civilian life, they don't understand that, you know? Mm. The, and so my buddies, and if I, if I was working, I had to make sure that I arranged to have that time off. And, um, you know, I, I couldn't go out and, and get in trouble like a lot of people did. And, and yeah. I, I had to keep my nose clean. So, I mean, but mm. I, I was obligated. I, I, I mean, I was committed to do my job and to do it, do it to the best of my ability. So when I went through my National Guard training, my initial training, I came out with, um, uh, I graduated as an honor graduate from my uh, signal school. Mm-hmm. And I received what they called a militia van award from the command. And what is the signal school? Is that like a specific class that you have to take for your job? Yeah, that was what I did for my job. My original job was a tactical telecommunications operator. So I was in, Uh, I was in communications signal. So it required a security clearance. And uh, so that's what I, you know, you have to, you have to actually get your clearance before you can, before you release back to active duty or back to your unit to do the job. So you, yeah, yeah, you, that makes sense. Yeah. And you were able to serve overseas as well, is that right? That was when I went on active duty. Okay. Uh, active duty army, I did serve a year in South Korea. That's awesome. How did you like being in South Korea? Was that a different experience from the states? Oh, yeah, that was definitely it. <laughs> definitely a different experience so I mean I was single so it wasn't like I was leaving family behind right and um but you know there were guys over there that that they were married and they had family back home and Mm, yeah it's tough it was tough for them and so I had to say that the experience I had serving in South Korea was probably the highlight of my in my entire military career. So That's awesome though. I mean, 
it's kind of like you get to experience a different culture and some people that I've spoken to in the past have said, you know, I really enjoyed my time overseas. I experienced a different culture, but it makes me really appreciate my own culture and my own country. Very much so. Yes. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, and you, when you go into a different country like that, you've got to be respectful of their culture. You can't take, right. you can't take your culture with you over there. Right. And it yeah. is a culture shock. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure I, I, I totally understand. And I mean, you know, I'm out here in Okinawa, Japan, and mm-hmm. I'm having to learn a lot. I'm taking my Japanese classes so I can communicate with Japanese locals. And yes, I'm, I'm enjoying it, but it is a lot of effort that you have to think about while you're out and about because normal things to us are not normal to the locals. So, right. I, it definitely does, uh, give you a different perspective of how others live. So yes, I can understand that for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, well, so I saw down here that you said you had some learning experiences that you took away from that active duty time that you had. Can you elaborate a little bit about that? I sure can. I, you know, here's, here was my learning experiences from when I was, serving in the military. Um, mm-hmm. you know, first and foremost, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm humbled to have had the opportunity to serve my country on active duty through the national guard and, and the army. Uh, I would say the environment is, you know, you learn how to survive. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of my greatest influences when I was in the military was uh, a great uncle when I was in active, active duty he had served in the military as well, and he would write to me. Yeah, he mm-hmm. was very. It was. It, it was just. He was. It was so inspiring to receive his letters. And so, um, when I was, you know, I always put forth my best effort. Mm-hmm. And one thing about the military is that, you know, you're rewarded for the effort that you put into it. Some people are just yeah. like, I don't care. I don't care if I do that or not. But I was like, no, I, I took my job very seriously. Everything that I did, like I said, I graduated from my initial AIT with a, I was in the top 10% of my class for the signal Corps. I was recognized with a letter of accommodation from signal Corps command. Uh, you know, it doesn't carry as much weight when you receive a, an award like that mm-hmm. when you're when you're in the national guard it doesn't seem to carry as much weight as it does when you're on active duty so if i had right. taken that with me to uh while i was on active duty it would have carried more weight and that comes into play because it it helps you to get promoted quicker and that yeah. so i was promoted a lot quicker because of the time and effort that i put into my job and and the trainings that I had. Um, yeah. Another thing is that when you're when you're on active duty National Guard, the only time that actually counts for active duty is when you're serving a weekend or you're serving two weeks out of the year. All the other times don't count, but you um, you're still committed. You're still obligated to fulfill your requirements for the government. So. Yeah. I can get, I understand that for sure. Um, So as a woman in the military, 
Do you think that we have a different experience compared to our male counterparts? Oh, yeah, that's definitely, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's definitely. So, you know, that that we know that women only make up about um, 2% of the the population is represented or 10% of of the population in the military is represented by women. Mm-hmm. So that means that 90% are, are men. And so when I initially went into the military, my, my view wasn't to go in to be a, a you know, a, a combat fighter or to uh, go into a combat related field. Mm-hmm. My, my view was that, that we have a responsibility to support our men. And so we support them. That's why I went into communications because it, the whole idea is that you're, you're not on the front lines, you're supporting the front lines, but you're doing so from a fairly safe distance behind. And uh, so from that perspective, you know, I was in a support unit mm-hmm. and in the process of, of being in support units, primarily all the way up to the point where I was assigned to Eventually, when I went on active duty, I came back from Korea and I was assigned to an attack helicopter unit. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a game changer for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those boys did not know how to behave themselves. Um, uh, they probably so, never worked with another woman prior yeah, to you, right? Well, um, I think if I, re- if I recall correctly, I was, one, I was the only avionics technician that was assigned to that unit and um that I was one of five women that oh wow that that's were very assigned. small <laughs> well that that's a good no there was at least you know the unit the company in of itself had maybe 50 50 troops if I recall correctly and so you're one of five women among 50 men and wow that's that's a small percentage and that I'm sure was a huge experience for you. I'm sure both positive and negative just because I'm sure at those in that time, it was so new for men to work with women and vice versa that, um, you know, in a way it's almost like it's something I always tell older generation veteran female veterans is, you know, I thank them for paving the way for us, for the newer generation, because, it sucked for you guys in that time. You had to, you know, put up with a lot of crap and men had to grow up and learn how to be around women in a work setting, especially the military. Um, unfortunately, you know, there's still things happening nowadays in the military that I'm sure everybody knows that's been across the news. Um, but things are coming to the point where I think that it's, it's, they're, they're making some changes and there's some action being done versus when I'm sure you were in, in those times. And they were, they would probably just not even bat an eye, you know? Um, and, um, so that brings me to, you know, for the ladies in active duty right now, or the ladies that are veterans right now, what is something that you would say, would be your best advice for them while they're still on active duty and when they become veterans? 
Okay. Uh, so, you know, it, my advice to, to young women today that are still, that are either considering going into military on active duty or they're currently serving on active duty is that if you're not in the mindset that there's a very real possibility that your unit may go to war, you need to change your mindset now mm-hmm. because it, it, it's very real. And for, yeah. for women going into the military, they need to understand that, that they're going to be around men who haven't been taught how to treat a lady. And mm-hmm. they may have to, they may have to stand up for themselves um, yeah. pe- people are going to cuss. They're going to swear. There's a lot of anim- animosity about women serving in the military. And it really kind of breaks my heart because we really need to stay focused on who the real enemy is and not point the finger at the other person and say, Oh, you're the problem. Well, no, yeah. we're here together because we got a problem and it's over there. And, mm-hmm. and so um, I really want, you know, stay focused on, who the real enemy is don't turn against each other and you know military women are harassed outside of the military just as much as they may be harassed inside the military so if they're on active duty they also risk being harassed while they're they're not you know on active duty or not serving during their day um you know they they really need to make sure that the family members that they it, it some unfortunately some women that are in the military went into the military because they were estranged from their families. So they were, you know, disconnected. They didn't have a good, strong family network. And so they go into the military. Well, the, you know, the military may or may not become their family. You know, veterans mm-hmm. were supposed to be looking out for each other. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, from that perspective, if, if ever they need to keep a, a journal you know, write letters, take pictures, communicate with family or communicate with somebody so they know what's going on. And oh, yeah. that they can help you become a, a sounding board mm-hmm. when when they just when some when something doesn't seem right or doesn't feel right, you know, they have somebody that they can talk to about it. You know, main, yeah. when it comes to the military, you, you gotta maintain a record of everything, hard copies, papers, signed copies, keep your records together and organized. And I say, do you think, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I I was going to say, do you think that is something that is a huge challenge for our lady veterans or any veteran in general, when they get out of the military and go in to become part of society as a veteran? As far as keeping a a hard copy records. Yeah. And um, do you think that, keeping yourself associated and socialized with other people and, and trying to find your, your family um, or group of friends while you're active duty. Do you think that makes a difference when you get out? Because a lot of the things that we've noticed um, with our veterans, they isolate themselves as soon as they are done with active duty. Yes, that is very much a problem. And Oh, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that family members, they don't under, if they haven't been there themselves, they don't understand what that veteran has been, been through. 
And so the, yeah. the first thing that happens is they lose that camaraderie spirit when, when they leave the military. I know for me, I missed it. And my husband and I, you know, my husband is a veteran as well. And so we got married. So we kind of had each other to bounce off of. And then we hung out with other veteran couples. And then when we got out of the military and we were very much on our own, the only people we really had to associate with were um, his family because they understood military. My family didn't understand military so much. And there were a lot of expectations that they seemed to have that we weren't really prepared for and right. made it hard for me to communicate with my mom and my dad, my mom and dad ended up getting a divorce. So that made it even more complicated for family situations. And yeah, but I think, yeah. you know, the, the one thing that, that you have to do, and it's really hard to do is you have to be able to reach out. You have to be teachable and coachable. Even when you're in the military, you have to be teachable and coachable when you're out of the military. Oh yeah, and, for sure. And so, um, and you have to be willing to learn from men and women, not just yeah. women. You have to be willing to learn from men. They need to understand that men, they're the guys who led the way. And, and so, I mean, a lot of times when I'm out and about, I find that if I'm not always just looking to balance my time with other women veteran, I balance time with other male veterans as well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, for example, you know, this, I I've taken training with Chris Pirano, Battleline Tactical, and he works, uh, he has a company he started it's a com uh, combatives pistols course and and i'm i've gone to his trainings and i've learned a lot from him and i mean here's a guy that that um as you know he he was a benghazi survivor and he comes out of a gunfight i mean that's somebody who i want to learn from oh yeah <laughs> for sure that's pretty badass i think yeah oh, yeah. yeah he definitely <laughs> You know, and the, the thing is, is when you meet him in person, he's such a humble individual and he really has a good head on his shoulders. And I mean, uh, and he, the team that he put together, the team works together really well. It's like a well-oiled machine and they, they just, that's awesome. So they, cause he has uh Ben, they're good friends. And then there's Jeremy, he kind of oversees the background and then there's uh Rob and then there's another guy, Benny. He may as well have been military, but he, <laughs> he teaches the combat as part of it. And boy, I tell you, you think you learn when you're in the military combatives. <laughs> yeah. You, you learn a lot more when you're working with these guys. And I appreciate that because you know, you gain leadership skills um, in working with them um, and not just them. I mean, there's other guys too. There's like Boone Cutler and, Boone is, you know, he really has an understanding of, of what's going on with our warfighters. And we need to listen to him. And, you know, especially when it comes to issues of veteran suicide, you know, that was one of the things that really, really caused me to pause and think about what was going on in, in, our, in our veteran society that our 
suicide rate was so high. I thought, yeah. I thought this is terrible. So here I've been, you know, as a woman veteran, really just flying under the radar, not really wanting to be recognized as a woman veteran because a lot of civilians, they don't understand. And it just got to the point where it's like, I felt like I was making them feel uncomfortable. So I bit the bullet, so to speak. And I said, okay, I'm just, I'm not going to try to talk about my military experience. I'm just going to become civilianized, so to speak. And (laughs) not to say that that was necessarily a bad thing. It was just that we, um, it's just that I really wanted to be sensitive to the nature of what was going on with, with them in order to, you know, fit into their environment. I didn't want them to feel uncomfortable. And so Mm -hmm. it, it was, it was difficult because, you know, I really had a lot of pride in what I did. And of course, when I did get out of the military, I was, uh, I was pregnant and, you know, I knew that trading my combat boots to become a, a mom was, was going to be a challenge, but, um, I was looking forward to it. You know, I, I, I'm sure. Yeah. But there's a story I've probably never, yeah, there's a story behind when my husband found out that, that I was pregnant. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's a nice experience. I know. I remember when I was uh, still active duty and found out I was pregnant, it was my last year in and I had to make that decision whether I wanted to reenlist or become a full-time mom and go back to college. And yeah, you know, it, it, it's a, it was a hard decision. I had a lot of plans uh, as a Marine and I decided to pick my daughter over my military career and I don't regret it one bit I love what I do now I love the people I've met I I love being part of the gallant few I would have never met you Paula and yeah um you know I it's it's wonderful that we get to meet each other get to know each other through our ups and downs because the gallant few is pretty much a family we have we get on each other's nerves we fight with each other we love each other it's (laughs) Pretty much like being back in the military. Yes. And it's definitely, I, I, you know, I can't complain. And, you know, I want to thank you for your time, for everything you do with the WAN Project. I know it's tough. I, I, I you know, I'm surprised that you're still here. And I don't know how to thank you because you're doing this as a volunteer effort. And especially now that I'm overseas in Japan, you know, I try to you know, do what I can out here as much as what you're trying to do out in Texas. And it's wonderful. And I, I can't, I can't stop smiling when I see the posts that you and Carl and everybody do out there when, when you, you know, it just shows that dedication makes a huge difference. And it's wonderful to see that we are still here for each other, even after service and that we're continuing to push for our other veterans that are out there that are homeless, that are, going through their, you know, bad times, you know, I want everybody to know we're out here, reach out to the gallant few, reach out to the WAM project, radio yes. project, vet rec, all of us, we're all out here. Yes. You know, um, yeah. we are here to listen. Sometimes we get calls from vets that just want to just have a, somebody listening to them. That's okay. We're here for that too. Um, and so we are glad that you guys are keeping up with all of our, you know, Facebook posts, Instagram posts, and thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast. Please continue to share, subscribe, um, continue listening to all of our podcasts we upload as a team. Um, thank you, Paula, so much for joining me today. Yes. 
so glad that Let's everyone out there just now gets to know who Paula Morgan is. <laughs> I, I had no idea anybody was asking. Here we go. <laughs> so there you go, guys. Um, thank you so much again for coming to listen to us today. Um, we hope to hear from you guys soon. Have a great one.